Righto, I can start recording. Holy crap. That was... Uh, A mission? <laughs> yes. Let's go with that, shall we? Welcome to GCP Life, episode number 53, for the 17th of November, 2023. GCP Life is sponsored by Kazna. At Kazna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. And I'm your host, Stephen Bancroft. On today's show, Optus, 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 we give you our thoughts. Is Australia a soft target for hackers? We look at the DP World hack, and we check out some new features from Google and VMware. Before we get to any of that, I'd like to introduce the co-host of the show, Ian Brown. How are you, Ian? I'm good, Baggy. How you doing, mate? Good, mate. Good. We've avoided the technical obstacles. Oh, mate, what a <laughs> nightmare that was. All turned out to be a cable. A cable? A, a not-so-old USB cable, but probably a cheap one, right? No, no. Well, it actually wasn't a cheap one. It's a, it's a Belkin USB cable. So it's a really good one that cost me like 40-odd dollars, but it only lasts six months. What? Yeah. What? Yeah, it's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. So you're mucking around with pipe wire and audio interfaces oh. and the whole shooting I've match. Spent, I've spent the last 40 minutes trying to figure out why. Uh, I, I, I was blaming it on an update not that long ago. Like, <laughs> you remember 10 minutes ago, I'm blaming it on an update going, oh, it's an update, yes. Red Hat, you've screwed me. <laughs> and no, no, it wasn't. It was a cable. I apologise, yep. Red Hat. I love you still. <laughs> <laughs> Would this cable have uh, travelled to the most northern point of the continent with us? No. No, no, no. This no. cable didn't. No, I actually, the, the one I took to the most northern point of the continent is actually a cable I'm using right now. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, th- this mic and this sound card and this cable and this laptop all went with me to the n- most northern point of the continent, and it's wearing scars from the uh, corrugations as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Still works fine. <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, that's a, the base on my, my stand has got some pretty good scratches in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, top of this mic's all scuffed up. Must have been rubbing on something, but she works fine. Yep. Um, outside of that, what have you been up to? Mate, not a huge amount. I mean, yeah, you and I both last weekend were, were working pretty much the entire weekend with the with the yeah. uni super cutover. Um, outside of that, I've been trying to stay away from tech as much as possible because <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting behind a computer for 12 hours a day. I don't need any more. Yeah, you got to get outside and do a bit, yeah. Yeah, go and right. sit in the sun for a bit and sit in the pool and have a beer in the pool. Yeah, speaking of pools, uh, my new house has got a pool. Ugh, I did hear this. The move is fully underway. And 62,000 um, bedrooms, I heard. 62,000 <laughs> bedrooms. <laughs> You've got to have a Lego room. Everyone's got to have a Lego room, oh, right? 100%. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I turn my office into a Lego room. Yeah, do it. Yep. Do it. Um, so, yeah, that's that's fully underway. And, uh, yeah, things are looking good for that. Uh, migration date is set for the 7th of December. So I'll actually be recording the last episode, this year's last episode of the show, at the new place. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, nice. But um, just on Uni Super, um, we did do a big migration last weekend. And, uh, you know, the, the news is out there in, in the press. So probably probably they'd be happy to, for me to say that uh, we've completed the largest wave of the migration. And it largely means that uh, the production environment is largely completed, mostly completed. Yeah, yeah. We've, uh, we've not got uh, much left to go now, I think. 
I think there was it, it, there was it was so- the most complex and the largest, most com- oh, biggest piece. Yeah, wasn't by it? a long yeah, way, by like one hundred and ninety yeah. odd machines or something that we migrated. Yeah. It was it was somewhere in the vicinity of a hundred terabytes of data that went over. It was huge. It really was a massive migration. And uh, I mean, as and, as and there largely, always is, there's a, a few and, teething issues here and there, but nothing. Well, nothing too major. But no. during the actual migration work itself, it was pretty smooth, really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, in the past, we ran into a lot of hurdles when we were actually doing the work, doing the change. But this time, we didn't really. Yeah, uh, it's just those teething issues, as you say, mm. post migration. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's one out. of those things where where I think um, I mean every every IT environment has hiccups every now and then, and and unfortunately, because we've migrated a large swath of production workloads over into into GCVE, a lot of those. Um, a lot of those just standard issues that arise in an IT environment now get blamed on the oh you guys migrated this therefore it's the, it's the project's fault and that's look <laughs> that's some of it might be accurate right? some <laughs> of it's probably not um, from from well, all reports the the migration went really well everything was working when we logged off on Sunday night mm-hmm. um, to to complete it after starting at what did we start at six o'clock on Friday afternoon. Friday evening. Yep, that's right. Yeah, yeah worked with, it. with the pre the pre the pre cut over stuff, and, and yep. then uh, yeah, and then we all sort of jumped on a bit later and started doing the, the bulk of the cut over. Yeah, and we've only got um, three more migrations expected, left. Right? Yeah, and they're they're minuscule compared yeah. to what we, what we've done. They're just uh, you know some of the, the smaller sort of DMZ areas um, of their infra, but um, largely done. I I dare say there's been press releases. You know, up to this point, so I dare say our press release is going to come out around this. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Yeah. Um, but this, this is the thing I was going to say: a, a migration like this um, doesn't matter what technology you're using, what platform you're going to or from. You know, it's going to expose stuff. It's going to expose problems in your network. Oh yeah. You know? S- silly misconfigurations, um, crazy things that. That are done for who knows why. You yeah, know? yeah, well, it's it's the same as every environment. Every environment has a yeah. a little bit of agricultural growth, where where people mm. have just like, oh, I don't have time to fix this properly, so we'll just throw in a rule here to to allow it, and we'll come back to it. And we all Never know that once you've put that rule in and it's working, you don't touch it ever again. It's gone. Yep. 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 Cats out of the bag. Yep. Um. But yeah, uh, we'll we'll keep you up to date on that. And let let you know it, it, what we should be finished by the end of the month. Yep. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We've got so, yeah uh, three migrations, and they're all midweek migrations that start at like eight o'clock at night and go through to the early hours in the morning. And uh, that that's it. We'll be done. And I mean, I've been on this project for eighteen months. Started with mm. our former co-host Dave. Yep. And then you you've joined the party. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know, don't know what I'll be doing after this. It's, it's kind of like, oh, I'm suddenly a free agent. <laughs> <laughs> Take a week off and relax. And <laughs> oh, I definitely will be taking some time off, especially with the move and everything. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what about that Optus? No, oh, Optus. <laughs> I don't know that the viewers need to need to hear too much more about this. <laughs> I mean, everybody was screaming their name on Wednesday. Everyone was screaming their name on Wednesday. Look, it's not it's not nice to kick them when they're down. And no. look, the the, the 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 reality of it is, it, it could have been anyone's business. It could have been any telco that this happened to. Um, 
it just happened to be, you know, Australia's second largest one and it affected, what, 10 million odd people. So, yeah. And look, at the, um, to, to put this in perspective, Telstra had one not that uh, not that many years ago where mm-hmm. where one of their engineers made a, a routing change or something in their core network and it just bricked the entire network and it took them yep. six or seven hours to get it back up. Yep. Um, yep. It happens. Yeah, it happens. So... We were speculating at the time, uh, based on random dudes on the internet, that uh, <laughs> it, it, it may have been a BGP uh, issue, because you saw in Cloudflow a bunch of oh, BGP yeah. advertisements just shoot up around 4am in the morning. Yeah. Uh, and given the time, we were also speculating, oh, that's kind of the time you do a change to, to core, core infrastructure. And uh, yeah, sure enough, there's, we'll link an article in the show notes. Sydney Morning Herald, I was quite surprised with the articles. Rather techie, they go into it. Um, our, our speculative hypotheses were, were, were more or less correct. Um, what's happened is uh, Optus have done a, a router upgrade. Um, we assume it's related to BGP because there's been many BGP CVEs that have come out late, lately. Um, and that's either deleted, changed, or they have not installed BGP route filters. <laughs> and ironically, Singtel, who yeah. owns Optus. Who owns Optus? It's their sister company or flooded, their parent company. Flooded their BGP uh, edge routers with, with all their prefixes. Yep. And um, uh, I've had this happen before, similar sort of thing, but with spanning tree, where there's just so much spanning tree traffic that the router just can't cope and you you can't log on to the CLI. I mean, they, they were probably dead in the air anyway. They didn't have any routing to it. And even if you do get on the CLI, you can, it doesn't respond. You can't put commands into it. So as a result of that, they've actually had to go on site and reboot all the routers to get mm. them back on the air. Yeah, it's pretty big. So, And, and I saw it too. I, I sent you that Cloudflare link. Is yeah. uh, we, we were looking at the BGP advertisements that, that were coming into to Optus and you see like is like 1240 or something advertisements and then all of a sudden it spiked to 900,000 it's like whoa Boom. <laughs> <laughs> what is that like 1200 is a lot, and then nothing but- and then the traffic profiles nothing yeah. after that yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah like, exactly the traffic profile just disappeared <laughs> so look i i feel for the engineers who are on it if anyone uh, you know, we we have a pretty small listenership, but I I send my uh, my feels, I send the good feels out to those guys because yeah. they would have been sweating it. And I mean, I mean, both you and I have been in situations like that before. And, oh, yeah. and uh, look, clearly, look, I'm not as big as that, I admit, but no. uh, we've been in some pretty big outages. And yeah, look, they, those guys work their guts out trying to find these problems. Yeah, it's yeah, hundred percent. Like many um, many hours, and it's late and long. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think I said it on the day that. Um, those guys are going to be working their butts out to try and find this problem, let alone trying to fix it. Um, yeah. I mean, when you've got a, a network as big and complex as, as Optus or Telstra's or any of the big telcos, um, finding that needle in a haystack is is three quarters of the battle. The, the yeah. fixing it is generally the easier part. Yeah, it's the identification of it, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. But to, and, and you can't log onto your routers. Like, it makes it even worse. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, if you can't actually <laughs> physically get into them, then you know you're sort of you're sort of flying blind yeah yeah but uh you know you know as as inconvenient it was they fixed it in the long run and solved it and uh you know you can bet they'll put in some uh some plans to make sure it doesn't happen again yeah well there was an article there that said that uh they are they have put in um safeguards now to yep. prevent this from happening again 
Um, so, look, I wish him the best of luck. Yeah, awesome. All right, let's get on with the show, eh? Yeah, let's do it. All right, first uh, item off the rank today is uh, some items around trainings, training and certs. Um, I just mentioned here that I'm sitting uh, my research for the developer professional. Uh, that'll be on the 1st of December. Nice. Uh, this time, yeah, this time I'm... I'm using uh, Cloud Skills Boost. Uh, I've gone through most of the courseware on there. Uh, I've gone back and revisited a Cloud Guru a little bit. Uh, I'll probably do a little bit more of that over the next uh, coming, well, week and a bit. Um, but yeah, I'm feeling pretty prepared for it at the moment. I've not done the um, sample questions. I tend to leave that till I get a little bit closer to it because I want to test my knowledge. And and then when I do do it, I'll do it three, four, five times because I really want to make sure those, those questions are like ingrained into me. Yeah. Um, that's another one of my little strategies. I'm thinking I'm writing a blog about this. I might have to do yeah, that. Yeah, do that. Uh, do yeah. that. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll report back and let you know how that goes. But uh, while we're on the subject and the first item we want to talk about uh, – Google Cloud has introduced some new skills badges. And so now we have skills badges and uh, certifications. Yeah. Yeah, we do. So, um, and, and for those who don't know the difference between the two, a skill badge is earned by completing hands-on labs and taking an assessment inside of like Cloud Skills Boost, uh, whereas a certification is a validation of the individual knowledge and a deep understanding of the technology, and it's done by passing a, an actual certification exam. Um, yeah, which is two hours through, prompted, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a it's a lot more involved, but the the badges are still pretty cool. Um, I, I noticed here sort in ga- the, sort of gamifies it a little bit too. It does, it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of like oh, you've unlocked this badge. <laughs> <laughs> upgrade, <laughs> upgrade, upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they've um, they've got in uh, the badges cover. I think they've got eighty. I think I saw in this article, uh, yeah, 80, 80 plus skill badges, and they've the, the article says they've introduced three, but I couldn't sort of work out what the three were. No, I, I couldn't either. There. I was looking at it, going, "Ah, <laughs> uh, are we going to say what the three are?" But sure. <laughs> yeah. But this this all comes from a study um, that happened that Google embarked on with uh, research firm Gallup, and the focus was to explore the impact of uh, cloud Google Cloud skill badges, and from it. Uh, it was reported that badge holders reported they felt better equipped with, with a variety of skills gained from their attainment of skill badges. They reported an increase in confidence and were able to leverage the badges for further learning goals, such as achieving a Google Cloud certification. But now there's 80 plus skill badges available through Cloud Skills Boost. Yeah, nice. Hmm. Yeah, I've got quite a few of them. It is quite fun ticking one off and getting a little email that comes in and says, you've completed a course, now you've got the skill badge. Yeah. And then it comes up, oh, great, it's good, you know. <laughs> yeah, I've got a whole heap of them on my, um, on my GDEV profile. There's, uh, mm. there's heaps and heaps and heaps of them there. But. And uh, while we're on the subject of AI, just take a look at the photo in that uh, article. I'm looking at it going, it looks like an AI-generated image to it me. It does, doesn't right? it? And then I'm going, is it? Is it? And then I looked and I looked and I looked. See the girl in the middle with the afro? Yep. Right? Look at her legs. Um, <laughs> hang on. 
That's the giveaway. That's an AI-generated image yeah. right there. <laughs> and the girl beside it doesn't have legs. No. <laughs> that, okay. She's got three legs and the girl beside her has no legs. Yeah. And and her shoes are all different and their pants are different lengths and it's just all yeah, all screwy. Yeah, right. Wow. Yeah. I didn't notice that. That's I, cool. I, I only noticed it because I suspected this was an AI-generated image, so I went looking for hands and then things like legs and there you go. <laughs> yeah, right. So I'll link this article in the show notes. You'll see it right there. Look right in the dead center of the image. The girl with the afro, she's got the legs look really odd yep. under the table. <laughs> she's got three legs. And there it is. AI art starting to make an impact, right? It's <laughs> happening. It's happening. Um, all right, let's move on. Um, GKE Enterprise. Now, this is right right in your wheelhouse, this mate. Is- what, what's... What's GKE Enterprise got for us? Um, so Google has released an enterprise version of GKE. So it's now mm. um, generally available. And the enterprise version just adds a whole heap of premium features on top of GKE that aren't otherwise available. So um, you won't see other providers with, with this. This is purely a Google thing. Um, so the enterprise edition includes uh, fleet team management uh, that lets uh, platform engineers easily group similar workloads into dedicated clusters and apply custom configs and policy guardrails per fleet. Um, it allows them to isolate sensitive workloads and delegate cus- uh, cluster management to other specific teams. And teams can run and manage their workloads as well as view logs, resource utilization, error rates, and other metrics. And then on top of that, that's all really cool, and it it does a whole heap to for big enterprise that are that are trying to manage lots and lots and lots of GKE workloads. But they've also uh, um, released in GA the Advanced Vulnerability Insights. So for those who don't know, uh, the Vulnerability Insights is is the um, inline scanning of containers that are running inside of GKE and the software that's running on them for vulnerabilities. So it gives you this really, really cool dashboard um, it can do scanning and vulnerability detection in Java, Go, JavaScript, and Python, um, as well as detecting uh, vulnerabilities in in open source softwares. And then, lastly, uh, it also comes with managed governance and policy controls and a managed service mesh. So it's sort of Anthos built into GKE. Uh, even though normally you'd sort of deploy Anthos and that would deploy GKE, this is sort of like an all-in-one wrapped up, nicely bundled uh, um, service. Mm. So it gives you all the best bits of GKE um, with a whole heap of enterprise features and uh, and is really an ideal solution for enterprise customers to, to take up. Mm. Um, I'm just reading here, um, enable GKE Enterprise Edition capabilities and sign up for a no-charge trial Mm -hmm. on November 15 when it becomes generally available. That's right. So Mm. November November 15, incidentally, was yesterday or today if you're in the US. In the US, yep. Um, So one of the other things here... Uh, that they quote in the article is uh, GKE Enterprise is already producing amazing results with some customers improving their productivity by 45% while reducing software deployment times by over 70. And they've got a little um, a little reference to that down the bottom of the article of where they get that information from. 
So there you go. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. So what what sort of things in order to achieve that productivity by forty five percent and software deployment times by over seventy percent? What's what's GK Enterprise changing for them in terms of tooling and process to enable that to happen? To be honest, I'm not entirely sure. So the the source right. of that that quote. Well, 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 well GKE in general. GKE in general. Oh, GKE in general. Just for our listeners, well, what 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 benefits are you going to get? So you GKE. Know, like- so you you've got to think of the normal software deployment lifecycle where um, software developers they build on their local machine, they commit changes into a Git repo or a subversion repo or a Mercurial repo if you're from the 1980s, um, <laughs> and. Actually, Mercurial's not that on. Um. <laughs> hey, hey, I, I've used check in and check out. Okay, so don't you start. <laughs> uh, look, I, I like them all. To be honest, I, I I started out on Subversion. So, but yeah, look, they'll they'll commit that, and then uh, some server will do a build, and then it'll be handed over to QAs, and it'll get tested, and and all that, and then and then someone will manually jump into a machine and deploy that that software package. Uh, the the pipeline differs quite considerably when you're talking about GKE because you build, uh, sorry, your your developer still checks in their code into Git. There's a pipeline that automatically runs, it does all its tests, and then builds it, and then automatically deploys it to GKE for testing. So there's there's no sort of middleman in there to stick their fingers onto the onto the server, and mm-hmm. you're you're not treating your um, servers like pets anymore. They're literally cattle. They just yep. you deploy them when you don't need them anymore. You get rid of them. Right. So and the container just the containers just move to working servers. That's right. And yep. and the other part of this is when you're deploy when you're sorry developing as a um, in Docker or in a container. The the results that you get on your local machine in that container should be identical assuming that you've got everything configured the same, should be identical as to what you see in production because it is the same container. Works on my machine. Yep. Yeah, it removes that whole, <laughs> oh, but it worked on my machine. Works on my machine. Uh, I, I may have been guilty of saying that once before. <laughs> <laughs> Works on my machine. Awesome stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I've still got my uh, uh, bare metal GKE cluster in a box at the new house, so I've got to crack that out and get started on that. Nice. But uh, moving on, VMware, uh, VMware and Google announced planned PostgreSQL compatible database solution for d- traditional and generative AI applications on VMware Cloud Foundation. Well, that's a mouthful. It is, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. So what you can get now is you can get uh, AlloyDB Omni on VMware. Yeah. How cool is that? So Postgres compatible. Um, admittedly, uh, last time I used AlloyDB. Uh, which was a little while ago. It wasn't a hundred percent Postgres compatible, but it's it's for the most part it's there. There's a few mm-hmm. little idiosync- in idiosyncratic things that uh, yeah. that aren't quite there. But look, it's and some there. of the the plugins or the stored procedures or something. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's something yeah, that weren't quite compatible. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah, um, but it gives you the superior performance and scalability. It gives you the enterprise class infrastructure, uh, a developer friendly. Uh, user experience, um, because most of the developers that are using Postgres, they'll they they just know it inside out. So mm. so this is no different. Um, but it also gives you the benefit of Google powered AI. 
and they've got a wee list down the bottom of the article, which we all like a wee list. <laughs> we do. And it they literally covers those five points. So, Yeah, that's right. And, and, and it will provide administrators with a vSphere native experience for managing LODB. That's right. VMware Cloud. So, you know, you know your VMware's already. You you want to you do a bit of uh, AI data, then, then, then this is the way to go. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. And AlloyDB is, is lightning quick. So uh, the quote that they've got here is, AlloyDB Omni is more than two times faster than standard Postgres for transactional workloads and delivers up to 100 times faster analytical queries than standard Postgres. Mm. Hundred times, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. That's that's wow. And, and they've really got the little, they've got the little site. number there to the, the citation there. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They're citing the uh, the study for that or whatever. Yep, yeah. So that's yeah. based on internal Google Cloud testing from March twenty twenty three. Yeah, it looks like a really cool product. I'll have to give it a try one day. Oh, when you yeah, get your wonder- cluster up, we'll give it a try. Yes, when we get that up. I wonder how it works. Like, do you click something and just spin up a node, like, inside the vSphere thing? Like, is that how it works? So, um, VMware Data Services Manager uh, does the, um, from what I read here, does the deployment. Yeah, simplifies the management of data services and will have workflows that integrate with AlloyDDB Omni to automate data patching, backup, scaling, and replication with minimal training for customer personnel. Right. So, yeah. That's done with VMware Data Services Manager. So, this is a data services manager. This is a new component of VMware then, isn't it? Yeah, it it must be. I haven't ever heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so it just deploys another appliance like your IX appliances or or whatever, and bang, you have a – it gives you a Postgres – it gives you an IP, and bang, there's your Postgres uh, interface. That's it. Yeah, and I'm just looking up the data services manager now. Uh, empower IT to manage databases running on vSphere consistently and securely to deliver the self-service access to databases that developers require for rapid innovation. Also mm. quite a mouthful. <laughs> You're supposed to breathe when you read sentences, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it didn't look that long. <laughs> All right, then. Let's get on to something a little more serious. As awesome as those two things were, We've had a pretty major security incident. I think what's turning out to be a pre- pretty major security incident, um, DP World hacked. Uh, yeah. One of the handful of stevedore companies in the country. Um, took them offline for a few days. Yeah, it did. So um, they restricted their access to Australian port operations in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane and Fremantle uh, while they investigated the issue. Uh, they... They came back, the the article, so this was an IT news article uh, from a few days ago. Uh, a day or so later, they came back and said, oh, they'll, they'll be back online as early as uh, a couple of days' time. And then I read an article, I think it was yesterday morning, to say that they are back online. So a really, really yep. quick turnaround. Quick turnaround. Now, I found another article that actually goes into a little bit. Uh, it was on, it's a Fin Review article. goes into a little bit uh, about what actually happened. Um, turns out uh, it was a result of, guess what, unpatched infrastructure. That's not unusual. And Rus- Russian hackers had been in there for a while 
and they actually pulled the plug themselves. DP World pulled the internet plug themselves and took themselves offline once they knew that they'd been compromised. Right. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's fairly, yeah, that's fairly telling, really, of of the whole patching it schedule. It is just patch your shit. Yeah, like, come on, guys, like, just especially stuff that's public facing, right? Um, those you know, lamp stacks, um, you know, reacts, whatever, whatever you're using, have that all patched and updated, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. I so I read another article. I think it might have been this morning I was reading it about um, ASDs putting out a, a thing on how important it is to actually patch and uh, the government is looking at creating like a safe harbour, I think they called it. Yes, that's right. Mm. Uh, I had I had a link for that. That's right, that, mm. that safe harbour. Because, because the problem is um, companies like this, they, they don't want to give up their information. No. Because they're worried that that will come back and be used in some sort of uh, class action or regulatory, you know, pro- you know, issues. Yep. They don't want them in there. So, so what they're looking at is uh, the government's looking at a safe harbour that gives gives the company the ability to engage with ASD, so the Australian Signals Directorate, um, yep. the the spooks and spies from Australia, and to get in and and really diagnose how these hackers have got in and how to fix it and all that sort of stuff, which uh, which I think can only be a good thing. That's right. But the companies need to know that that's confidential. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Right? The same way that you same way you go to a lawyer for legal help and anything you say to him is absolutely confidential. It needs to be the same thing. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah, we'll be following that one. Uh, I don't know how much more information we're going to get on that, but, like, it's as simple as just patching stuff. Um, if they'd made a migration to cloud and they were using IAM and they had everything lo- blocked up behind them, then, uh, you know, it's pretty certain that something like this is not going to happen. That's right. If you've done it the right way. But uh, even Google, even Google Calendar isn't safe from hacks. Yeah, that's right. So I found this article the other day. Um, so hackers have reportedly found a way to use Google Calendar as a command and control infrastructure, which could create quite a few headaches in the cybersecurity industry. Um, so the don't the, do anything. This is ridiculous. Oh, it's don't crazy, do isn't it? So because yeah. normally when you when you're searching for command and control, you're looking for you're looking for machines that are uh, talking to other compromised servers and and all. But these aren't. These command and control servers are talking directly to Google Calendar. Via the API, mm. I'm assuming um, it doesn't go into details on how they've they've managed to to hack Google Calendar. Uh, it's it's they've done a POC. It's dubbed the Google Calendar Rat or GCR, mm. an unfortunate name that also correlates with uh, Google Container Repository. Um, <laughs> and according to the person that built it, alias as Mister Signal, Signal, anyway. Uh, the script will create a covert channel by exploiting the event descriptions in the calendar. Mm, okay. Yeah. What exactly does that mean, though? <laughs> well, event descriptions are exactly that. They're, they're, that's the description you put into an event. So there must the be events. some some vulnerability in the way that that is entered. Some like it's not uh-huh. escaped correctly, or uh-huh. there's some way of doing something nasty in there. Similar to a SQL injection. Yeah, similar okay. to a SQL yeah, injection, yeah. cross-site scripting type thing. Yep. Um, now, 
the article does say so far no hackers have been observed abusing GCR in the wild. Um, but we all know, as with all things like this, that is only a matter of time. Time. Yeah, well, at least we know about it. At least it gives Google an opportunity to to look at it and and fix the problem. Yeah, that's right. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I guess the tip is at the moment be very cautious of suspicious uh, calendar invites and and requests from unknown people um, that are going to set you know yeah create entries or invite you to meetings in, in any, I'd say, in any calendar app at the moment mm. um, until we know that uh, there's been a fix applied for this. Be hypervigilant. That's it. And then uh, moving on with security news, uh, we have a list. We do. We love a lists. List. <laughs> we love lists on this show. Um, yeah, so this is a list from uh, Daily Daily Host News. Google Cloud Cybersecurity Forecast reveals 15 trends you can expect in 2024. Um, they're saying there's a notable shift with the incorporation of generative AI and LLMs to advanced phishing techniques. Uh, that's 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 one thing they they call out specifically in the the body of the article, but. The list itself goes through quite a few items here. Uh, what are we going to see in 2024? Uh, this is almost a prediction episode. It is. It? Uh, <laughs> it is. It's the it's the crystal ball. It's the crystal ball episode. Uh, there we go. We've got a name for the episode zero now. Day, the crystal ball. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> We're going to see increased zero-day vulnerability exploitation. Wow. I mean... We know there's zero days out there that, that we don't know about that you know the powers that be know about and they're probably using them anyway. Yeah, that's um, right. They they say here Google predicts a surge in zero day exploits by both nation state attackers mm. and cyber criminal groups. So I mean, there's the zero days that they're always out there. It's just they haven't been found yet, for the most part. Well, they haven't been found by the people that tell you about them. That's right. They have been found. They've just been used nefariously, yeah. right? Um, cyber activity targeting U.S. elections. Interesting one. Yeah. Not, right. a, not reckon, at all unexpected. Uh, n- no, no, but uh, yeah, we'll see what the wash-up is there. Uh, rise of disruptive hacktivism. <laughs> Anonymous, anyone? <laughs> Anonymous, yeah, yeah. Uh, wipers. In nation state cyber arsenal. So I think when we wiper. talk about wipers, a wiper malware is something that goes in and just deletes data. Yeah, it just removes all the data. Yeah. 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 So we're going to see more of that. Um, probably download it first, then, then delete it, right? Yeah. Uh, now, this next one's interesting targeting space based infrastructure. Yeah, well. I mean, some of those satellites that, that that are up in space at the moment have been there for a long time. Yeah, right. And they'll have old code on them. Old code on them. So uh, yeah, yeah you, you've only yeah. got to you've only got to find a way in. Yep. Yep. And uh, you know they're transmitting radios. They've got radios on them. Like that could be an attack vector there. Yep. Um, matured attacks on hybrid and multi-cloud environments. Right, so I guess this this dovetails into the whole BGP thing, right? Mm. Uh, we've seen a lot of BGP CVEs. This is why um, 
you know, the likes of Optus that needs to do a lot of patches and all telcos need to do patches because that's that's a way in, right? So yeah. you've got you've got these shared infrastructure environments, um, um, like uh, um, well, T- TPN, Telstra private, Telstra Telstra private networking. That's one. Yep. Um, you've got uh, what's the other big one? Uh, um, Megaport. Megaport. Thank you. Um, surely there are tech, tech vectors in there, right? Yeah, there'd have to be. Um, increased use of serverless servers by threat actors. Yeah, script kitties yeah. just run a run yeah, a function. Yeah. Got to yeah. run some JavaScript. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, hack hack a Google Cloud account, get some free compute, run your functions. That's it. Or, or just sign up for a brand new account yeah. and get three hundred bucks of credits. You got to give a credit card. Oh, you give a fake credit card, yeah. don't you? Yeah, of course, of course you do. Yeah, not to. Not that condoning that or giving no. me any tips on how to how to exploit this. No, no, not at all. <laughs> I'm sure that's what they do. Uh, continued growth of extortion operations. Uh, I mean, that's that's pretty sad that people feel they need to do that. But yeah, um, espionage and sleeper botnets. Well, that's and that's that okay. that whole uh, DP world where you've had hackers in there for for a period of time. Yeah, and they're just running all the things yep. uh, on their on their botnet. Revival of ancient techniques coming in at number ten. Ah, oh, the karate. <laughs> <laughs> so, threat actors may resurrect ancient techniques that receive less coverage. Yeah, the old the old um, call in and and fish someone. Type attack, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember the ring, the, ring them on the telephone. Oh, phone yeah. freaking. Oh, I don't think <laughs> that works freaking. anymore, but no, no. I think telcos are waking up to that. Smurf attacks, yeah. You know anything? Yeah. There's a whole heap of there's a whole heap of really old ones that I remember from the like I remember trying to to phone freak the old uh, payphones, the old Telstra payphones years ago. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, they're free now, so you don't even need to do yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. They're not um, payphones anymore. Shift. Public phones no. again. <laughs> Public phones, yeah. Shift to modern programming languages by malware authors uh, like Go, Rust, and Swift for rapid development. Oh, you can see malware, a malware author there with their full CID, CICD <laughs> pipeline, <laughs> publishing containers, and automating. <laughs> but, I mean, if you're going to do something, like if you're going to be building malware, then really if you, you've got to write it in as lower level language as you possibly can. Because it's got to be as small yeah. as possible, as undetectable as possible. So mm. things like Go and Rust and Swift and C and C++ are other languages of choice because they compile down to machine code. Yeah. They're, That's what you want. Yeah. Very hard to detect and very, very small. And you could compile for different target yeah. architectures as well. Right? That's, that's becoming more and more important, as we've seen. Um, targeting developers in supply chain attacks. Well, we've seen a lot of this going on. Yes, we have. Uh, growing mobile cybercrime. Well, that's fairly that's fairly prevalent these days. Like the amount of text messages that I've got in the last couple of days, <sighs> just sort of like, oh, here's your your package has been held up. Click this link. No, yeah, that's not the way this yep. works. Um, yep. That's that's on the rise. It has to be. Yeah, and spam calls. Yeah, right. Um, you know, overseas uh, scam scam centers. There was one I was reading uh, about the other week where uh, some scammer rings you and and they are, they start asking you questions and they want you to say yes and no. 
Um, and it, it's something like they'll, they'll ring you and say, can you hear me? And most people, of course, go, yes. And then they use that yes that to, to sign you up to things. Oh. So, well, they copy your voice. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're recording it. They're yeah, recording yeah, yeah. the call and they just chop it out and off you go. Wow. Wow. Uh, steady cyber insurance premium. So this is an interesting one. Despite all of this, they reckon that cyber insurance premiums will just stay at steady at the same rate. Yep. Probably, probably because more people are having to sign up to it, so they don't really need to put it up. No. Um, uh, consolidation. Although that's an that's an odd one, right? Because you know you 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 lose your data, right? You can have all the insurance in the world, but you lose your data, it's not coming back. No, that's right. All the, but insurance. The, the idea of the cyber insurance premium is more to cover you so that you can get yourself back online. Um, because most most cyber insurance premiums will will have clauses in there that say that you've got to have um, off-site, offline backups and you've got to – like there's a whole heap of stipulations there that you have yeah. to abide by. Yep. I guess that helps you in a way, right? Yeah, of course it, it does. helps you put your plan in place, you know. To, to be compliant with our insurance, we need to have A, B, and C. You've got to have the checks and, and balances. And, and at the end of the day, you should always have offline, off-site backups yep. of everything. Yep. yep. With or without this, you should have it. Yep. yep. And finally, number 15, consolidation around SecOps security operations. Yeah. Well, we're starting to see that. Yeah, SecOps we're seeing that a lot popular. these days, especially with uh, with Darren Goldie being um, appointed as the, the cybersecurity um, head and the the country's really starting to to sort of evolve that cybersecurity uh capability and that's that appears to be happening around the world yeah and, and that's that's what i was trying to get at in the in the intro like mm. i think up to now and we've touched on this before australia's been a soft target oh yeah really i mean and this is why we've seen this this sudden balloon in cyber incidences because uh you know not only globally there's an Increase in cyber activity, but uh, it's like, oh, Australia's easy. They don't, you know, their their stevedores don't patch their front end systems. Let's just go after them. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it. Look, and we're not the only ones. There's there's plenty of countries out there that that are soft targets. I'm sure. It's just that you know we've got a fairly good economy and we're a soft target. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, uh, on that bombshell, <laughs> let's move on with the AI wars. AI wars. So, did you hear that the Cambridge Dictionary of the Word of the Year is hallucinate? No, I didn't. Based what? The? It's based on yeah. Well, I mean, it's based on all the AI and the fact that AI is hallucinating can tell you garbage. Yeah. Okay. No, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I thought that little uh, tidbit there to be good to kick off the AI wars, but Google, Amazon, and Microsoft pour forty-three billion dollars into cloud computing. Oh, it's crazy. Crazy. More money being spent. Crazy, oh. crazy. Uh, capital spending by Google, Amazon, and Microsoft jumped to a com- combined $42 billion. More billionaires are better. Yeah, that's it. For the three months up to September. Three, for the three months up to September. Yeah. Right? Uh, that figure marks a 10% increase from the prior quarter, with an analyst projecting cloud-related spending to increase further in 2024. My, um, my nephew's just finished school. 
and uh, he got top marks in ICT. He just blitzed the rest oh, of the, nice. the school, right? Lo- loves he's right into Python programming. Obviously, loves his gaming. Uh, and I said, mate, got to get into cloud computing. So uh, I've pointed him in the direction of doing a few, you know, just just sort of clue him up on what the Google Cloud certs are all about. Showed him what the Google Cloud console was and started to introduce him a little bit to it. So I'm going to have regular meetings with him. But like, I mean, this says it when you read figures like that. Yeah. And the, the uh, you know, the spending is increasing in 2024. I said to him, mate, this is where you got to be. You got to be in cloud. If you want to get in the big guns, AI is where it's data and AI. That's where it's going to be. That is exactly where it's at. Yep. Yeah. So um, interesting. This this article points out. Uh, so Sunder Pichai, who's a, obviously the CEO, mm, mm. Uh, told investors more than half of all funded generative AI startups are Google Cloud customers. And and also mentioned that seventy percent of generative AI unicorns were using Google Cloud. Yeah, yeah. I think we've mentioned a figure like that in the last episode yeah, I think as so. well. But this breaks it down a little bit further. Seventy percent. Mm. Wow, everyone's using Google Cloud. They love it. Yep. Uh, and then it goes on to say Google Cloud's revenue grew twenty two percent from a year earlier, almost double the rate of growth for the company as a whole. Yeah, yeah. That's that's fairly telling, isn't it? Just to take another quote from that article, uh, he added that generative AI is allowing companies to create agents to carry out tasks as answering questions or automating workflows. Now, we know that. Yeah. Right? It's going to replace jobs, right? And it's going to make increase your profit margin as a result. Yeah. Uh, now, you you found this next one, Ian. This is, this is a bit weird. Uh, fake spot chat. Mozilla's first LLM lets online shoppers research products via an AI chatbot. Yeah, Speaking so chatbots. Yeah, so Fake Fake Spot is a is a company that uses AI in order to identify fake or deceptive or and or deceptive product reviews. And so Mozilla acquired Fake Spot, and now Mozilla is launching its first LLM, large language model, with the arrival of Fake Spot Chat an AI agent that will help consumers as they shop online by answering questions about the product or even suggesting questions that could be useful in your product research. So this is a really cool use of AI, I think, is that just finding people who are, who are perhaps trying to deceptively um, downplay a, a particular product or trying to boost a particular product. Right, so this is when you go to Amazon and you get all the fake reviews on Amazon. Yeah. This can identify that for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, re- re- what they call that? Review bombing. Yeah. 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 Like- um, it happens, funny, while we're on the subject, it happens uh, in gaming. So if a, uh, particularly with some of these large online multiplayer games, if uh, the community doesn't like what the game developer is doing to the game, they'll often review bomb the game. So they'll go on to like Steam or one of the other platforms and just give it negative reviews. Right. And apparently it makes a significant difference in the, the profits that they earn during the period while it's being review bombed. Right, okay. That's... And, and yeah, it's, it had a big impact. Obviously, I, I play War Thunder and Gaijin's a company that, that runs it and it's happened on more than one occasion and Gaijin have suddenly just gone, oh, we better do what the community wants yep. or it's going to hit us in the hip pocket. <laughs> so this, this is great for that, right? Yeah. So identifying fake reviews. Now, the, yeah. the, the article doesn't give us any idea of how big that, um, that LLM is. Um, we, we know that uh, I think Google's is like $560 billion and... 
um, and ChatGPT was the last time I checked was at like two hundred and eighty billion or two hundred and ninety billion. But mm. uh, there's no information here on how big this AI is. Uh, they just say that it's um, <clears throat> that. Uh, the model itself is using five different models under its hood, and it's been trained on billions of data points. That's it. Right. And it'd be specifically trained for fake reviews. Yeah, yeah I would, would assume think, yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Billions of data points, yeah. Mm. And how is it implemented? Like, is it a, a sidebar in, in, um, in Firefox or... Is it like a plugin you install and it comes up like next to the reviews or something? To be honest, I haven't actually seen it in Firefox. I've been like opening up Firefox every day in the hope that maybe there might be a like, hey, um, there is a browser extension that you can add. So uh, the feature is available via FakeSpot Analyzer or it can be used on an Amazon.com product from FakeSpot's browser extension. So I haven't seen the analyzer. Right. It probably... Uh, they've got a screenshot of there, and it comes up as a little chat window next to it. And uh, if you're on that screen, uh, you just ask it a question. How is the packaging? And it gives you a response. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I mean, th- this is just the start, right? We're going to see innov- innovative uh, uses of this technology, things like that. Yeah. This is just the start. Uh, and then finally, for uh, this week's AI Wars, we have uh, Google's AI-powered search experience expands globally to 121-plus countries. Uh, finally, it's out there. Everyone's got access to it now. Yeah, well, everyone except us. We don't actually have access to it yet. Uh, but, yeah, search generative experience uh, is the new um, AI-based conversation experience that, uh, that Google's released uh, it's part of Google Search now, um, and this is Google's answer to uh, Bing Chat, I think they said. Yeah, Bing Chat, uh, which is yep. the open AI-powered uh, chatbot experience that runs on that other browser uh, <laughs> that we don't use or talk about. <laughs> Users can ask questions and receive responses that aren't just a list of links. Yeah, that's it's right. It's more sort of interactive, yeah. Uh, you get you get uh, AI powered summaries of paywalled articles. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it can define terms that you may not be familiar with. You know, complex terms in STEM and economics, etc. Uh, and uh, obviously, it can help you with coding. We've seen that. That's how we've seen how Bard's doing that. Uh, and it can generate images and write drafts. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so it it uh, it recently opened up to US teens aged thirteen to seventeen. Um, and right, that's interesting. They'd have to they'd have to gimp the model somehow, wouldn't they? It's because they, it could be things that uh, you wouldn't want them exposed to. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, I, I would. Uh, my my young fellow's trying to get into to Bard and ChatGPT, and and um, and I keep sort of thwarting it because I don't really want him using it just yet. Um, yeah. But yeah, like it's a, it's a, it's available to a lot of countries. Uh, Australia doesn't feature on that list of countries just yet, sadly. Uh, but I, mm. I'm looking forward to when it does. Yeah, right. No, you're right. Mm. It doesn't. Yeah, because they got American it's Samoa, that- Angola, Antigua, and Barbuda, and then it goes to Bahamas. I'm like, yeah, what happened to Australia? 
We got left behind. Uh, well, when you look at it, actually, they're not highly densely populated. They're not pop- countries with big populations. Oh, uh, I don't know. Oh, Brazil, Pakistan, Brazil, does. Thailand, Brazil does. Taiwan. Mm-hmm. I'm trying. To, I'm just trying to understand the motive, mo- motivation behind picking these countries in particular. Like you can understand if it was just countries like Fiji and 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 Haiti, you know, like hmm. smaller yeah. pop, just just to test Guam. things, right? Guam, yeah. yeah, just to test things out. But no, they got like Mexico. <laughs> yeah, well, like and how many and how many millions of people are in Mexico? Yeah, you know? and and wait on Chile, New Zealand gets it. Yeah, yeah, yeah New the Zealand Kiwis gets get it. We, we don't. don't. <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose it's got to it's got to be able to interpret the uh, the the Kiwi talk. <laughs> well, you love the Kiwis, uh, but yeah, it's but you you look at other countries like Pakistan. I mean, that's not a small population. No. Same as Taiwan, no, not at all. Also, not a small population. Sri Lanka, maybe maybe not. They're not expected to be heavy users of it. Uh, that possibly, could be what it is that could be what it yeah. is. Yeah, um, who knows what the matter. Is. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll get it soon, and when it, when we get it, it'll be great. Trust it, it'll be great. Oh yeah. All right. Well, uh, look, I think that just about wraps it up for the AI wars. Yeah. Uh, and uh, wraps it up for the show. It does indeed. It does indeed. Um, we uh, we're getting close to the end of the year. We are planning to do a Christmas special. We're going to get the band back together, and we'll uh, talk about some bit of a retro and what's happened during the year and just uh you know recap on a couple of highlights and then we'll probably talk about what we're going to do next year as well so just make sure you stay tuned for that uh don't forget to go to itunes write a review for the show and uh when you see the post on linkedin as well make sure you give us a hi there and tell us what your favorite point in the show was and we can start a discussion there uh, don't forget you can contact the show gcplife at kasna.com and today's show was sponsored by Kasna. At Kasna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. Uh, what else you got for us? Anything else, Ian? No, mate. I'm I'm done. I've got to go and uh, pick up the young fella from school. Yeah, I've got to uh, take the kids to swimming lessons, so uh, I'm pretty much done for the day. <laughs> but uh, you have a good night, eh? I'll catch you later. Bye. Thanks, See ya. Got the alternator out. He had to take, had to take the engine mounts, undo the engine mounts, jack the engine up, and take the AC compressor off, take the front bumper off. Then he could get the the alternator out. What? That's got ridiculous. It, all packed in there. So he got it out. He, he thought he had one on order. He went over and got it. He looked at it, and it's like different alternator. It's not one for a different model. Ugh. So, but he's found another one, but he won't be able to come back till uh, tomorrow morning at 10 to do it. So oh. <sighs> at least he's got it out. That's the path to battle. <laughs> <laughs>